0: Welcome to Peace of Authenticity for the Remnant. We are so excited that you chose to spend your time with us today.
1: A Remnant is a piece that remains. This is a podcast for the Remnant rising in this hour. The Remnant is a group of people who seek Jesus like it's their last hope because He is.
0: In this podcast, we encourage, equip, and champion you to rise up and take a stand for Christ in the world that we live in. What's going on? Hey guys, welcome back for part two of at the table. There it is. Here we are. Listen, I hope that everybody had a great time last week, where we kind of set the stage Mm -hmm. over um, the symbolism and the importance of the table factor. When you know, a lot of people just see a table, but it's it's so much more than that. There's so many more. Um, things that come into it and that's what we talked about last week. So if you haven't seen that one before we dive into part 2 this week, go back and check out that one. It's like 30 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not it's not that, you know, exciting, but um it kind of It was good. It kind of sets the ta- it kind of <laughs> sets the stage, right, for what we're talking about today in at the table part 2. Yes. Dose. Okay, Damn so
1: Aubrey, I think. Oh well, of course, aren't we going to go back a little bit and explain the importance of the table a, a bit before you go into some historical? Things?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so just a just kind of like a recap over over last week. You know, um, Jordan and I just got this table that has been in my family for a long time, and, and it just kind of hit us that yeah, it just kind of changed the atmosphere. In our house, when we got this table, and it's it's pretty big. Like you can set, I, I don't know, like eight people, maybe around it. I mean, seven, eight people, something like eight, that. Eight, eight, yeah. at least eight. Right. And so it's it's a pretty big table, and it's awesome. And you know, immediately after we got this table, we started having you know eating food in here, and mm-hmm. you know, we work from home, so we work from this table, and it's like we're always around the table and so we kind of just dove in on that and was like well a, a table is a gathering place and and we we talked last week in the episode about how the first church met just like this they they met around a table in mm-hmm. a home and you know eventually the the evolution of the church went from you know a table to a pulpit to now it's a stage and and now um we just believe that there is something powerful about sitting at the table, breaking bread with one another. And it's not just us that thinks this. This is actually like a biblical principle. And, <laughs> yeah, and It's so, not just our opinion. Yeah, right? it's, not, it's not just like a random opinion that we have. It's actually a biblical principle. And so that's what we are going to talk about today is the biblical, just the significance of the table using Scripture and using the Greco Roman culture that the Bible was actually written in, right? Because if if you've been on this journey with us now, you know that the context of Scripture, how we're supposed to read Scripture, is not through the lens of like an American lens. It's it's a Greco Roman, that's where Yeah, the Paul, New Testament. The Greco-Roman, New Testament Yeah. yeah. The, the New Testament was written to the the Greco-Roman world. And so in order to understand some of the principles and the things that Paul or Peter or any of these fine gentlemen are writing about, you have to understand the culture that they were living in. And so that's what we want to do today is diving in on how the table changed everything. Oh, how the tables turn. Oh, the turntable. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so here's just, just for instance, just to start it all off, the, the, the table brings everyone to an equal level. If you ever notice, it doesn't really, um, the table, when you sit down at the table, it Mm kind of takes height out of the equation because, you know, like I'm six foot tall and Jordan, how tall are you?
1: Um, well, I said I was five, five and a half. And then you said I was lying. So do you remember that? So, I won't a bring lot, up.
0: so a lot shorter than me, right? So she's a lot. shorter. But when we sit at the just table, look, look at how, look at how pretty even it is now, and we can look eye to eye. I, I just think that that's that's crazy cool that the, the table just kind of brings everyone yeah. to the same level, and um, so this is critical for the Greco-Roman culture that that we are studying today. Because the table was actually a symbol of of dignity, right? When you, Mm -hmm. we we talked about it last week and how like you had to be noble or you had to be a free person to sit at the table because all the servants and slaves had to stand Mm -hmm. in in the back. back and they had to serve the people that were seated at the table and so in in the greco Roman culture, your table, when you would invite people over to dinner and you would set up your table, you would be seated based off of how dignified you were, how fancy dressed you were how how much money you had, how much influence you had were, were you were you mm-hmm. involved in the Roman government, or you know what I mean like it was just kind of you were seated at the table based on what happens outside your home based on how much influence you had
1: and uh that wasn't just at the table i mean you were reminded of your your place in society every single every place you went i mean if you went to the theater you had a designated seat for your class which means how much money you made what your family was known for i mean you were classified like you had to sit in the theater up in the nosebleeds if you had no money you know yeah and then um even the clothing that you wore you had to wear a certain type of clothing to show where your class where you were situated in like class social class right and then even where you lived in the city and then like aubrey said where you sat for meals every single situation of your life you were reminded exactly where you deserve to be
0: yeah and so we 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 dove into this a little bit when we were studying the lenses on how to how to read scripture in context and everything but what what was so crazy about the table is that the romans were were used to i mean the, the table is is nothing new right mm-hmm. like it's been around forever it, it it's not like we're coming with this mind blowing type of teaching that's just like, oh my gosh, and then the table just changed everything well. It wasn't necessarily the table Mm -hmm. per se, but it was what happened at the table that changed everything. Jesus and his ministry, if you you carefully watch what Jesus did in his ministry as he was walking among us in human flesh, notice who he ate with, Mm -hmm. notice who he brought to the table with him you think about the story of Zacchaeus, Mm -hmm. right? And Zacchaeus was despised in his town. Yeah, tax collector, Everybody hated them. Boom, and and so Jesus walks up there, and you know, we all know the song, if you grew up in church, Zacchaeus was a wee little little man, man. and a wee little man man was he, (laughs) and he climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he was trying to see, right? And so there's this whole jingle about it, and we think it's awesome because we learn about it in, in, in Sunday school or children's ministry or whatever, or at least I did back in the day and but but we don't understand the significance of that the significance was that the the tax collectors were despised among the Jews they were they were turncoats they were benedict arnold you know in america yeah
1: they were thieves and right. they stole right in front of Yeah, Jews their own people and stole
0: from them. And so Jesus comes in and he enters the scene and he sees this little bitty man, this wee little man up in the tree and he says, tonight I'm going to have dinner at your house. Boom. Everybody around was just mind blown because they're like, "What? you want to eat with Zacchaeus, Mm -hmm. right? But Jesus brought, not only did he bring Zacchaeus to the table, but he brought his friends around there too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, And so like... Jesus is already using the table against the Roman system mm-hmm. because he's bringing the people that don't deserve to be at the table, he's bringing them to the table. And he's dining with them. Mm-hmm. So you have Zacchaeus. And just like we talked about last week, you have you have Matthew. Mm-hmm. You have Levi. And yeah. it's same thing. Same situation. Tax collector.
1: You even have the lepers. I mean, right. those people weren't even allowed in the city in the gates. City. So I don't know how yeah. Jesus... I don't know how that happened. But <laughs> like women... They were women. just drawn to him, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It, it just so many people that you wouldn't have expected to sit at the table were there with Jesus. He invited them and... Yeah, it's
0: lepers, beggars, prostitutes, sinners, tax collectors, it, you, you name it. But what, what's so important about this is we're using the symbol of the table because Jesus was bringing these people to the table. At the Last Supper, he, he brought the disciples to the table to, to break bread, to, mm-hmm. to have communion with his closest followers, with his closest confidants. And, and I don't think that that was by accident. No. I think it was no, it was on purpose. It was
1: very intentional and it was very important to Jesus. If, if you – okay, so it makes me even think about like when someone's on death row, they get to pick their last meal.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, you know, so Jesus knew it was his last meal. Who was he going to eat it with? Where was – it was so important to him, the table, to sit down with them, right? Because they could have sat around a campfire. They could have yeah. – Done whatever, but Jesus was very intentional about what he did in every aspect. That's why it's so interesting when we go through and read about what Jesus did and then, you know, get that revelation through what Jesus did and how we should be and function.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So, so Jesus is literally coming and he's bringing people to the table and he's treating everyone as equals. Mm -hmm. And this is completely contrary to. The Greco-Roman civilization because it, if you've studied any type of history at all, you know that the only way that the Roman Empire was able to stand as long as it did was because of the class system. Yeah. You had the upper class and you had the lower class. And as long as the lower class knew their place, mm-hmm. they, they knew that they were less dignified than the upper class then Rome was able to continue. Rome was able to continue to expand and build because everyone knew their place. Mm -hmm. And so this is what Jesus does. Jesus comes onto the scene and he says, you know what, everybody has a place at my table. Romans, Jewish people, especially Pharisees, were mind blown in the midst of this because they were like, wait, what do you mean just anybody can come to your table? You're inviting all these people to the table. And so Jesus is like, yeah, Jesus flipped the script on what, instead of showing how dignified he was at the table, he chose to show that he chose to give others dignity at his table. Mm-hmm. And it completely changed yeah. the game.
1: Well, cause yeah, he he switched it. Jesus switched it because Aubrey and I were just talking about this, that in the Roman world, if you invited someone to your house to eat, you brought all your best furniture and put it in the room where everyone's gonna hang out and have dinner because you wanted to show off what you have. Yeah. It was honestly about you. Like you should have like come in, like you would come in the room and be like, The party has arrived, it's me. Like it's about you when you yeah. do a dinner for people and like Jesus turned it around and it was about everybody that came. It wasn't about him. Yeah. And he, he, just, cho- he chose to
0: focus on everyone else when the typical fashion of a, of a Roman dinner would have been everybody yeah. focus on the host. It was or a show off. You're looking at what everybody else is wearing and you're gauging by their jewelry and their clothes how much they have, what kind of connections you need to make with the people around the table. And Jesus is just literally saying, dude, I'm, I'm bringing in the people that nobody else wants and I'm showing them dignity. At the table, and so this is the actual point where a lot of historical people believe that that everyone despised Jesus and his teachings, not necessarily because Jesus was being exalted over Caesar. And there's that whole debate of of either Christ or Caesar, and and that's you know what the the whole thing, but. Jesus was literally turning Roman civilization over on its head by dignifying the lower class and making the lower class feel like they were privileged and like they it was, were worth something, yeah, that they were worth something, and showing people dignity and empathy and and compassion, and it was completely making the Romans look terrible, and so all these lower class people were coming to Jesus because he gave them a seat at the table
1: and, and you know jesus says was it it was it Jesus that i am in the world but i'm I'm not of the world,
0: be in the world but not of the world,
1: yes." jesus said that or paul i don't know sometimes i get them
0: yeah Yeah, you put me on the spot either
1: way it's in the bible and it's true yeah (laughs) but it's so true because we're supposed to live in the world right but not be of the world so that this is a perfect example where jesus was not of the world he did what he his father had called him to do right and it flipped a society you know upside down really did and what what's beautiful to see is the transition of jesus whenever he died and rose again and you know then went up to heaven and the christians were here right they kept that going and they did yeah. love feasts they did agape dinners and um that's where they would do communion it doesn't look anything like the way we do communion now it was joyful it was it was a whole meal there was laughing there was you know joy it wasn't solemn and like you feel like you're in trouble sometimes i feel like that's communion at the churches like we're like shh be quiet yeah, you know what I mean um, not that we don't need to be respectful but you know there's a different element there but it, you, you see this transition so the Christians they still kept that up like the very um, I would even say risque because that yeah. was you know very big deal for that society and so seeing that move into the love feast that um, that language talking about the love feasts is in um, Jude 12 along with some other places in the Bible but yeah we're gonna go a little bit more into that too do you have anything
0: yeah well no so yeah okay well, I, yeah, I didn't know um, where, where you're going. So, the 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 love feasts were were bringing people to the table, and so Jesus set a really cool precedence when when he was walking here with us. Like, pay attention to who he brought to the table. So then we fast forward, and Paul is writing to us in Galatians, mm-hmm. and in, and it starts in Galatians chapter two. And I think verse 11, is that what you wrote down yeah, there? Yeah, it in verse 11. Yeah, and so in verse 11, this is where Peter gets put on blast by the Apostle Paul. And, you know, it, it's not nice. It it, it really isn't. Um, you know, I think that if something like this were to happen today and another pastor were to call a, a, a different pastor out the way that Paul does Peter in Galatians chapter 2, um yeah i i don't I think there would be a lot of hurt feelings and there would be a lot of people upset at the way because uh if you if this the word that I'm looking for actually the word that he used according to the Bible was Paul called Peter and Barnabas hypocrites mm-hmm. and and he said like they were they were moving in hypocrisy, basically you know acting one way over here and doing something else over here and now now listen, I know none of us have ever been in that position um, I mean, well, no, I know that I have I've been a hypocrite before but Paul is literally calling him out because of what he's doing at the table
1: Yes, and so uh, what happens there in um, Galatians 2 verses 11 through 21 is where this is found, okay, so I'm going to give you like a little bit of a summary so what happened was um, Peter came, because uh, Paul and Bar- Barnabas were in Antioch, and that's where they were, and um, so Peter came to visit, and the thing about the the first century church is it was a mix of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. It was just a mix, yeah. and so they were kind of learning. It was, it was like a learning time of like, oh, well, they don't really abide by the law. Do we abide by the law? You know, you kind of see this in the letters um, from Paul, Peter, John, I mean, all of them, they all kind of like talk about this, and it's that question of well how much of the law do we still obey the law or is there no law do the gentiles need to obey the law it was it was a lot of questions like that and so it came to be that the gentiles did not have to live under the law of moses like it became very you know there was that revelation and so that was the way it was even even the jews that were born again christians they didn't have to abide by they didn't have to be under that umbrella of the full law of Moses. Right. Okay. So that's where we're at. And so Peter came and he was visiting Paul and Barnabas and he, w- I mean, they were having these love feasts. I mean, they got together often. Mm-hmm. Um, they laughed, they fellowship, they learned more about Jesus. I mean, the gospel, all these things, right. And they would sit at a table together, a table like this mm-hmm. and Jews, Gentiles, all of them all mixed sitting together it's it's beautiful beautiful picture when you think about it and you think about some of the issues that they were dealing with too and so um it comes to where there are some jews that come in from jerusalem and they come to antioch and then all of a sudden peter switches and he doesn't allow the gentiles to sit with him and the jews that came and even barnabas jumps on the wagon and so they separate themselves and it becomes a really um like obvious awkward, painful thing. Like picture yourself as a Gentile. I mean, you probably are. I mean, I, am, you, you know, and picture yourself as that, that someone you were so close to somebody that you really, um, was teaching you amazing things, right? They were building relationships with Peter. And then all of a sudden Peter's like, yeah, you're not good enough to sit with me anymore. Like mm. all of a sudden it just switched and Paul wasn't going to have it. Like he was upset. And, um, It was actually very obvious that since this offense happened in front of everyone, Paul confronted it in front of everyone. And so there was a lot of wisdom there with that. And yeah, it wasn't very pretty because he did call um, Peter and Barnabas hypocrites. But what's really interesting about the Greek word hypocrite is it, it means to put on a mask. And so I think that's really interesting, too, because Peter was all about hanging out with the Gentiles before those Jews came in. And he was even eating pork. He was doing all these things that Jews wouldn't do, right, when they were under the law of Moses. And then all of a sudden, things switch. And he acts like he's been abiding to this law of Moses, like, since day one because those the Jewish Christians came. And another thing I was reading too is that he may have feared that they saw this when the Jews came, that they would see Peter mingling with these Gentile Christians and they could go back to Jerusalem and maybe get him like a lower position or something. So there was fear of man and there was pressure involved in this. And like Peter knew the truth, right? but he still didn't, um, I guess, abide by that truth.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, I, I think that it's important to understand that that Peter, of all people, saw how Jesus brought people to the table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like, G, like Peter was there the whole time. Yeah, he saw this. And yeah, he saw Jesus continually, and and Peter rocked with with Jesus the whole time, even though you know a lot of times Jesus came under fire for who he brought to the table, and and this actually shows me it's kind of like. Peter suffered from that, that fear of man yeah. thing continually. Dude, I connected
1: with Peter on this story.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and think about when Jesus says, you know, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And when people came and got all up in his yep. grill, actually, you know, what does it say? There was a little girl that was like, hey, aren't you the one that was with Jesus? You know, and he got scared. Yeah, he scared. was scared of a little girl. He backed down. He backed down from what he knew to be true because of the fear of man. And I think that we all kind of suffer from that at times. And that's why teachings like this are so important to understand at the table is because Jesus set a precedent. And, and Paul very clearly called out Peter on this because Paul's like, Jesus set this precedent. It's, it's, it's not what you know. I'm coming exactly. to the table with. It's like, and, and he's like, Peter, you know better than this.
1: Well, yeah, and Paul even went down to the fact of, like, so you're telling me when we live under the law, you're pretty much saying the resurre- the death and resurrection of Jesus means it's not enough. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Like, and when you think about it, when we get stuck in our works, that's yeah. what we're saying. And that was painful to hear, but it, um, I was reading a commentary on Galatians chapter 2, what I was reading, and... Um, the commentator said the social pressure pushed Peter to compromise and then said that he still believed the gospel, but he failed to practice it. Mm. And so, yeah, he didn't forget. He didn't it, it was the it was the pressure. It was the fear of man to where he knew, which is kind of a real it's not kind of, it's a really scary place to be where you know right something, but you act yeah. on something else.
0: Well, and and I think that we can all I think we can all relate with that in a way there's there's been so many times in in my walk with the lord that you know I, I was put in a position where like i knew the right thing to do but yet compromised because it was like well you know this will kind of be a win-win for all parties yeah instead of doing what i knew to be true there's that little um slight you know moment of compromise there and mm-hmm. you know i mean and it just kind of and, and i
1: think that's no, not I think. I know that's why I love the Bible so much, because there are real people in the Bible, real people that make real mistakes, and yeah. they lived, they walked this earth, they loved Jesus, they they seek the Father, but there were also times where they knew the truth, but they didn't do the truth. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that that we can, we're all kind of getting the picture. Of, of really like what we're trying to get at with with this with this series of of being at the table because like we talked about last week and the you know Psalms tells us that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you know like we we, we understand that um, that Jesus came to the table and he brought all these other people yeah. and it was completely against culture, is completely against everything and and then so then we have Paul on the scene. And and he's he's calling out Peter because yeah. Paul is is ministering to these Gentiles and they're like, Hey, you know, Peter was eating with us, and then all of a sudden now he's not. And, you know, but Paul calls out Peter and he's like, you know, you know better than to do this. And so it, it kind of leads me mm. to a place of what what is it? What is it that we can do to bring everybody to the table because I know yeah. I know that when when we've been involved in in the church and, and everything like that like we can we can oftentimes get comfortable in in our seats and, and we can look at other people that might be entering our church on Sundays and we can be like oh man and we could know everything about that person and we can you know all oh, bless their heart yeah they definitely need to be here <laughs> you know and, and, and we can we can um you know put ourselves in a position where we are literally looking down on people, and and not necessarily putting ourselves in a position of oh well we're going to be around the table and everybody else is like a slave or a servant you know back here like not not putting ourselves on levels quite like the Romans in in a very physical level, but what about spiritually you know when we look at people and it's like well um I'm, they're clearly not anywhere close to our level mm-hmm. you know so I, I can't. Be seen with that person because that'll make me look terrible, you know. Or I don't, I don't want to waste time on that person because I'll never get that time back, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I don't ever see any parts of Scripture at all to where you have people wrestling with the oh should I you know should I be at the table with you Jesus never. Talked with his disciples and was like, "Hey, do you think that we should go mm-hmm. and hang out with these people or not?" I mean, he just went. He was about the Father's business. He he just walked in obedience, and he broke bread with with the least acceptable, with the, with the the chiefs among sinners, yeah. you know. And 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 he set that precedence that here at the table we are all equal. Mm-hmm. We we all have dignity. We we all have something to bring to to share to you know give somebody that place
1: and and like during this whole time that you know we're reading in Galatians and most most all the new testament christians are being killed yeah and i think that's so important to remember because the christians at that time they were destructing they were like destroying The order that the romans were trying to do come on the romans weren't scared of jesus in general they were scared of what was happening because okay well he's not here anymore i thought we killed him why is this becoming such a big thing why are they why is there a lot of little Jesuses everywhere why why is this happening (laughs) right and so i just kind of like want to ask the question to you because aubrey was already asking some questions that will kind of get your your heart you know and your mind going but are we destructing the orders of our world or are yeah. we abiding by them because mm. the christians back then were dying i mean they called them roman candles you, you remember that that's those were christians that they were setting on fire and set them up like torches in the city
0: yeah.
1: on the city walls so you could go down the road and see where you're going okay so I just want to ask you that question. Are we just abiding by the world? Are we like fitting in with the world or are we mm-hmm. destroying it with flipping it upside down like the way Jesus did? Because that's super convicting because I, I just, I, I'm, I have to be honest. Okay. If, if you're just going to church every Sunday and I mean, you're reading a Bible verse here and there and you've made it almost like rules in your head of things you need to get done throughout the day, our mindset's wrong. So I have a question. It's an old question, but if you were put on trial with the whole "you're a follower of Christ," you know, if you're a follower of Christ, you know, you'll be proven guilty. Do you have enough evidence to prove mm. be proven against you? Right? It's an old yeah. one, but it's a really good one yeah. too. So I just want to ask that question because it's powerful. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and it makes it makes you think. It makes you think a little bit more into not not necessarily. Uh, why, like why I should do this or why I should do that, but it's just like being drawn to do that, to where it's mm-hmm. it's you're drawn into relationship with Christ. What what was it that they said in there talking about? Um, that that God, Jesus doesn't seek people based off of who's more dignified than others, but it's who knows Him, who knows Him, mm-hmm. and who doesn't. Yeah,
1: it's that simple. Do you know Jesus or
0: do you know? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Not that not that we all don't fall short, right? We, yeah, we exactly. Just, we just read an, a, an instance where Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. <laughs> yeah, Apostle Peter, either. yeah, himself, uh, disciple number one. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like he was there for every major thing in, in Jesus' ministry. And even there, he's sitting here. Paul's having to correct him for something that he fell short in doing. So it's not about being perfect, but it's about saying, like, do, do I treat everybody... As, as I'm not not just equal to myself, but better mm-hmm. than myself. Jesus brought these people and he came into their house and broke bread with them. And he could have sat there and just been all about himself, mm-hmm. but instead he was always trying to find out more about other people. And he was trying to grow his disciples and grow everybody that he was breaking bread with. Like he he treated others better than you know he thought, or he treated others higher than what he than what he thought of himself mm-hmm. and so I think that that's what we have to really understand when it when it talks to about bring being at the table mm-hmm. is you've been seated right you, you've you been seated at the table with Christ and he wants you there and you want to be there who else are you bringing with you and I think that that's a that's an important question that we can all ask ourselves Is Jesus drawing us to the table? Of course, the answer to that question is yes, Mm -hmm. right? He's drawing us to the table. Who am I bringing with me to the table? Because at the table, we all see eye to eye. We're on the same plane. And when you bring people to your table and and you're you're breaking down barriers and and you're breaking down what the world says, like, oh, you shouldn't be hanging out with that person. You shouldn't Mm -hmm. be doing this if if the if the world is saying that to you then you're probably acting more like Christ than than anybody else. Mhm. So here we are. We're at the table. This was part 2. Yes. Next week we're going to come back and and we're going to we're going to be talking a little bit more about being at the table and this one this episode was kind of others-focused, where we're like, you know, who are you bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? It's more outward-focused. Next week, we're going to dive in on the inside. We're going to dive inside. in like on you specifically, because believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there that feel that they don't deserve a seat at the table with Christ. And you're right, you probably don't. We don't. We definitely don't. But... <laughs> Jesus says that you do. Mm -hmm. When he gave himself for us and he shed his blood for us, that gave us the opportunity to have a seat at the table. Jesus wants you there. We want to be there. And so we can't wait to dive in on that next week.
1: Yes, yes. So we will see you for part three of At the Table next week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.